tweet at SAFM Radio and at John Gerica. Our next guest, Zirk Butter, joins us. Zirk, good chatting to you. And before I tell people, first of all, let me just say congratulations. Thanks, John. Thanks so much. It's so good to be able to join you on the show tonight. <laughs> okay, let's explain. And we're going to take it. Okay, we've got eight minutes. Let's explain what you did. If you can, tell me what you have done in the last couple of months. So, yes, I set off on the 19th of December from Cape Town in an ocean rowing boat, uh, a solo rowing boat, so it's just for one person. Uh, it's a boat that I built in my garden here in Cape Town, <laughs> and I rowed from Cape Town to uh, Cabo Frio, which is in the state of Rio in Brazil, uh, a total distance of 7,200 kilometers, and uh, I finished the, the total route uh, in 72 days. Uh, and my time from continent, African continent to South American continent was 69 days, which uh, set a new world record uh, and bettered the previous world record by something like 22 days. Wow. You, so you rode was 100 k's a day. Uh, yes, on average. Some days more. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's, it was busy. <laughs> okay, so many questions to ask. Let's start at the beginning. Tell us about the boat. Okay, so the boat was uh, built on a design uh, that I purchased from a naval architect in the UK. He specializes in designing ocean rowing boats. So it's uh, built with nine watertight compartments uh, to make it safe. It's also built like a lifeboat. So in a storm, if the boat should roll over, it will self-right. The boat was equipped with solar panels, uh, water maker, navigation equipment, uh, VHF maritime communication equipment, satellite phones. uh, What else? (laughs) Yeah, I think that's about the bulk of the equipment that I had on the boat. (laughs) Okay, and then, see, because when I think of a, a rowboat, I think of something like on a lake. How, how big is this compared to, to I, don't, I don't know, how, do you, how long is it? Uh, I, I imagine yeah. you have it in <laughs> okay. meters or feet. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm so used to, to the boat, I didn't even think about that yet. So it's <laughs> yeah. six, six and a half meters in length. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big boat. Uh, it's, I, I think an oh. easy comparison would be like a, a ski boat that you would see, uh, you know, if people go to Durban or come to Cape Town, uh, right. but not a big one, you know, sort of a, a normal uh, leisure ski boat type of size. Mm. It's uh, 1.7 meters wide, so, you know, it's the width of a tall person. And at the highest <laughs> point, uh, the cabin where I slept in, it was 1.9 meters high. Uh, so it's fairly small, you know, if you think on a, an, an open ocean boat, it's, it's quite small, yeah. I was going to say six meters in 7,000 kilometers of water is a very small vessel. So uh, it's, it's not like, yeah. How did you power it? So it's just you and a couple of oars. That's right, yeah. So I had my oars were custom made in the United States um, to, to, to row. So it's, it's quite long shafts. Um, but also, you know, in, in all fairness and, uh, you know, giving acknowledgement, I did have very good support from, from nature, from, from King Neptune and, and Mother Nature. <laughs> I, I had planned my, the, 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 the weather window, uh, I planned. I did a lot of research and I realized that the best time would be the same time as what the guys normally use for the Cape to Rio yacht race. 
because then we have the southeaster blowing in Cape Town, uh, taking me all the way up to the northern border of Namibia, where I turned uh, west to, to head to Brazil, just below St. Helena Island, because that's where the trade winds blows from, from Africa to, to South America. And then when you get closer to the South American coast, they have the, the, the cell, the, the, it's a northeasterly wind, that blows down the coast of, of Brazil. So I had the, the wind and the sea and the weather condition behind me all the time. So, so that played a huge factor in my ability to maintain a high average speed and distance every day. So even when you were sleeping, were you still moving in the general correct direction? Yes. Yeah. So I had a shore support team and they would uh, every day, uh, my, my, my weather lady, would send me a weather update for the next three days. So I would know that even if I go to sleep, the wind direction and the sea state and everything, so I, I would know that you know for the, the hour and a half or two hours that I slept at a time, which was my maximum sleeping time, I would still have the sea and the wind from behind. So I wouldn't go as fast as I would rowing, but I would still make headway in, in the right direction. Yeah. Okay, uh, that was going to be my next question is, what is, uh, in fact, we're going to take a quick ad break, but then I want to know, like, what your schedule is, how how you kept going, what you ate, because there's, there's a lovely picture on this article they wrote about you where you're tucking into a hamburger, it looks like you, like a survivor, uh, a survivor, survivor, where you, you, know, you must have lost so much weight, I want to find out all about that. Uh, my guest is a fascinating guest, and I'm really hoping to talk more with Zirk Buerta, he's done the Cape Town to Cape Rio solo row by himself in a record time and did you hear the route he went he went to namibia first and then took a lift find out why in a moment sport tracks on sfm with john karika Right, let's get into this talk. Zerk Buert has completed a row, a solo row from Cape Town to Brazil. Uh, the important thing there, Zerk, first of all, is this this was unsupported. You didn't have anybody around you within sight to be able to help you do this route. Is that right? Correct, yeah. yeah. No, no, no support, no backup, no rescue vessel, no, no helicopter on standby. I was completely on my own, uh, uh, yeah, for, for, for the entire period. Was there a point in the row where you regretted that? No, I did not. Um, ah. I've been asked this a, a, a few times, and uh, the reality is, and, and I realized that after doing the row, one of the guys on my shore support team said to me, you know, we're here for you if ever you feel down and you question why you did this. And I realized that that, that has never been a factor. And I, I, the, the, the reason for that was that before I started, when I started planning this, I had a very, very clear motivation and goal for, for why I wanted to do it. So even during the toughest time, that was always very, very clear in my mind as to what my motivation and my reason was. Okay, what was the reason? I, I'm a firm believer, and through my life experiences, I've learned that we as humans are able to do anything that we set our minds to and that we can visualize. And I wanted to do a really unique and big challenge as an example to my children uh, of exactly that. But then also to, to anybody and everybody else out there uh, that would you know, be following me, uh, yeah, to set that example. That whatever you want to do, you can do if, if you prepare to go the miles, the extra miles. Mm. 
Okay, let's talk about a day on uh, a day on the water, on the seas. You know, when I think of the ocean, I'm thinking massive swells that are coming through. The wind is howling all the time. Uh, what do you eat? What did you do? What was the, you? You would, I don't know. The sun would rise, and you would do what? So yeah, my my first thing every morning was to make coffee. <laughs> I, I had a, 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 a <laughs> decent uh, plunger and and good filter coffee. That was very important for me to start my day with a good coffee. Unfortunately, I ran out of rusks after the halfway mark. So, <laughs> but I had coffee, uh, more than enough coffee for, for the entire way. So that would be at 6 a.m. in the morning. Uh, and then after that, I would make my breakfast, uh, do my navigational updates, get my logbook and everything up to date. Uh, that would take me until about 8.30 at the latest. And then I would start my first rowing Just- session. Just what? Um, yes. Hold on a sec. So, so you're having a cup of coffee. You're out in the middle of the ocean. Was that like almost meditation time as well, or, or you, you know, where you could sit and watch the sunrise and and just realize what you're doing? Yeah, you know, the the entire day uh, was basically meditation time. Uh, you know, being on your own. There's no social media to distract you. <laughs> So, you know, whatever you do during the day, you know, you, you're there with yourself. You know, there's a lot of right. self-exploration, self-talk. So the entire day was, was basically that. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. So first rowing session. So, yeah, so I, I would row for two hours. So my entire day was broken up in two-hour sessions. I would row for two hours and then take a two-hour break and then row two hours, two hour break. The only variance from that was that uh, at 10 p.m. at night uh, until 4 a.m. in the morning, uh, I would sleep for six hours. Um, but otherwise, it's two, two hours rowing, two hours off. But the, the, the times that I was off during the day, I, I didn't sleep because I do maintenance and do uh, navigation, and you know, uh, I, I was busy quite a bit. Um, and then during the night, also that six hours, I never slept for six hours nonstop because I had to get up, check my navigation, check my my electronic systems. If there are any ships coming too close to me, make sure that the weather and the wind hadn't turned. So the maximum that I slept was two hours at a time. Um, yeah, and then during the day, maintenance was, uh, you know, the type of rowing that I did was with a, a rolling seat or a sliding seat. So I had to replace the bearings quite often. Um, I had to clean the hull uh, because I, the, the type of hull on the boat, you, you have to jump overboard and give it a scrub. Uh, and then I also had to clean my water maker, my desalinator, clean the filters. Every third day I had to make new water to the top of my water supply. And then, of course, making food, you know, preparing my meals. I had six meals a day. Uh, you know, I burnt a lot of uh, calories. So, yeah, uh, I ate, ate a lot of food, lots of sweets, lots of chocolates. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you a rower before Zirkbutter? No, no, not at all. I'm an, uh, an endurance adventure sports person. I've done Ironmans, I've done adventure races, you know, like the Eco Challenge, lots of long distance, multidisciplinary sporting events. But I had to be taught how to row. So I joined the Cape Coastal Rowing Club here in Simonstown, where the club coach is an Olympic gold medalist. 
Uh, and I said to them, I'm joining the club because you need to teach me to row so I can row from Cape Town to Rio. <laughs> and at first they thought I was joking, and then I think after a few months they realized I'm actually serious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was the weather like when you were doing the crossing? I had three big storms. Um, the first one was started on New Year's Eve. Um, and that was quite a, an, an experience because it was my first big storm. And before then, I hadn't experienced a, a storm in the boats. I didn't know how seaworthy the boat was, how mm. strong the boat was. It was quite hectic. Um, you know, the, I've explained this before, and, and how I try to explain it is to say that if you put yourself in a big cardboard box and you tie the box <laughs> to a roller coaster, and then you have this box going around a roller coaster for three days, whipping around us. And for good measure, every half an hour, somebody slaps the side of the box just to make sure you don't fall asleep because the waves <laughs> would slap against the side of the boat. Um, so that's what it's like to have a storm in an ocean rowing boat. Uh, but the boat was sound. The boat was incredibly seaworthy. So mm. the next storms was a lot better because then I had confidence in the boat seaworthiness. And I knew that our construction was okay. The boat's not going to break apart. You did this, as you said, you did this to show that anybody can do anything. Had you thought about what happens if you're in the middle of the ocean and something goes wrong? Surely you must have thought that. You're, you're, I mean, every human has a survival instinct. No, absolutely. Um, so I spent in, uh, I want to say, a previous life in my younger years. <laughs> I was in the Navy for 17 years. I was a combat officer and a combat diver in the South African Navy. So I had extensive seagoing experience. I've also crossed the, the Atlantic on, on different other boats after my Navy time. So I, I, I know about the International Maritime Rescue Organization, which right. is very, very well established uh, through satellite communications uh, and having my safety equipment, a life raft, my emergency signaling equipment, um, I was never concerned about that because I, I know what is available in an emergency purely by pushing the SOS button. Um, mm. so, so that was never a concern for me. And I think that's also something, you know, people think that when somebody does a crazy adventure, it's like really dangerous. But most adventurers, you know, the guys that I know, like the Mike Horns, they do a lot of research and preparation to mitigate the risk. And that's exactly what I did. It, it was never a life-threatening right. risk or situation. Were there, I mean, we, we, you would always talk about the bad times, the storms, but were there just perfect days where you were just, everything just went right and a dolphin came up and kissed you on the nose, for example? Well, the dolphin didn't kick me, kiss me on the nose, but I did have on one occasion a pot of dolphins that came and they just came around the boat and played around the boat for mm. 10 minutes, which was a, a really special occasion. Um but then I also had, uh, on three separate occasions, marlin that came past the boat. And the largest one was about three and a half meters, I estimate. Um, <laughs> half and the size it was, of your boat. It came so close to the boat, I could have reached out and touched the fin. Um, and it's such an exquisite animal, uh, you know, a, a aquatic animal. Um, when you see it in its real colors, it's like a shimmering uh, a turquoise blue color and it's graceful and beautiful that that was an, an, an amazing experience uh, and then I had one night uh, it just went completely dead calm the wind 
completely died down. Lovely. It was two nights before full moon, so the moon was bright and the sea was like a mirror. Um, it mm. was dead calm and dead quiet, and and that's that's my my moment and my experience that I will always remember. You know, going through that for one night. Uh, you know, in, 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 in those <laughs> so conditions, one, one, one of six one of sixty nine nights, but it was a good night. Yeah, yeah. I, I had <laughs> the, the weather was. Really, really, well, it was positive and negative, but, but the positive side was I had weather and wind pushing me all the way, except for yes, yes. I had two cars. All right, my guest, uh, before that, uh, we've got to take an ad break again, Zach Burt, so don't go away, because uh, as any adventurer, I am sure you have something planned. I want to find out what that is next. Across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. I'm John Herricka. This is Sport Tracks. You're listening to me talking to Zerk Boerter. He's a road from Cape Town to uh, Cape Town to Cairo, Cape Town to Argentina. It took him 69 days to be able to do that. Set a new record as well. So, Zerk, what's next? Well, John, I've got a few projects in in mind. Uh, I haven't decided the priority on on those. Uh, there's two two smaller ones, and, and then quite a big one. Um, but in the meantime, I have quite a few uh, speaking engagements uh, with, mm. with corporates, uh, you know, corporate training and, and motiva- motivational speaking. So, so that is my first priority at this stage. And then I'm also writing a book uh, about the experience and, and the, the, the lead up, you know, the, the ground to the experience. Um, so, yeah, there, there are adventures coming. Um, uh, it would be great if you don't mind if, you know, anybody that's interested to find out more about the row and about future adventures, to just uh, mosey on over to my page on Facebook, which is Zerk Water Live a Great Adventure, uh, because all the updates will be posted there as we go into the, the next adventure, which should be coming online by early next year at the latest. Give us a clue, Zerk. Give us a clue. Well, I was quite, uh, I was pleasantly surprised about the lack of pollution uh, during my road. Oh, excellent. But I was yeah. very surprised and, and on the other end, disappointed about lack of, um, and I, I'm not a marine biologist, but just as a concerned uh, person and an environmentalist, I believe that our oceans are being overfished. Uh, and they are being fished faster than the stocks can be naturally replenished. And I'm quite keen to put a team together to, to go and look at that, to, to do a bit of research on that, uh, to be able to find out what the real state is of our mm. natural fish reserves and resources in our oceans. Would you do the row again, Zach? No, no, I would not. <laughs> I believe I have that T-shirt now. I don't need another T-shirt. <laughs> it was, John, it was tough. It, it was, it was yeah. a big challenge. Um, in some aspects, it was a lot bigger than I had anticipated. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm really happy and proud in myself that I, I finished it. it. It is an incredible achievement. Um, but no, I will not redo that. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, somebody did send a message. You were talking about getting fresh water. Zerk, how do you go to the toilet on a six-meter boat? Okay, so uh, I have a bucket. <laughs> it's a, a plastic bucket. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it at that. <laughs> 
All right. That's, I don't think we want anymore. <laughs> Zach Burdick, congratulations to you. We look forward to finding out your new adventures, and then we'll talk about those as well. Thanks very much for joining us. Awesome, John. Thanks. It was so great to join you on the show. Zach Burdick, uh, Cape Town to Rio de Janeiro on a solo row. Why? Because he can. Go look. Do yourself a favor if ever you can. Go get a map and go look at the distance from Cape Town to Rio de Janeiro. And because it's a ball, it's not a straight line, right? The fastest route is actually up and down. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Congratulations to him.